Okay. I'm tired today. Yeah. Do you need a little yeah. caffeine? A little boost? A little boosty? A little boosteroo? A little boosty? That's my fucking teen rapper name. <laughs> <laughs> little boosty. <laughs> so dumb. I love us. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I have a correction to make. I was re-listening to it and I was like, oh my God, I said the wrong person's name who got arrested with John Gotti and Sammy Gravano, which isn't a big deal to some people, but I really, really like to get my details correct, especially when it comes to the stuff that I really am interested in. So it wasn't Frankie DeChico who was arrested. Frankie DeChico was dead. There's a whole story about Sammy was trying to get permission so he could kill Chin because Chin killed Frankie DeChico. Anyway, it was Frankie Lacasio and he was the consigliere to John Gotti. So they were the top three guys who got arrested just in case somebody was going to be like, actually, Frankie DeChico and Frankie Lacasio or two different guys and you clearly don't yeah, I know don't even remember i like blacked out during that i know i d- it was i gasped when i heard that i said i that. was like in my head i remember i was like am i gonna am i gonna fucking throw up <laughs> from being bored because i hate this shit shut up <laughs> i mean you're just very like your little <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I feel like you did a great job humoring me though I didn't even say anything. I just went mm-hmm, a couple times and playing. I did play Candy Crush. Yeah, the old ladies game. It's just you know. Welcome to SV Pod, especially heinous. I'm Tasha, and this is Crab Ass Gabe. <laughs> Gabe, hi, I'm Gabe. <laughs> Don't make me crabby. Oh, you're doing this. <laughs> I care about how you feel. Season four, episode seven, dolls. Opening scene. Two garbage men are fucking around with some garbage and stuffing all of it into this garbage grinder thing. One of them's Mm -hmm. complaining that his girlfriend hates that he does this job and he stinks and she wants him to quit. And the other guy's like, she won't be complaining anymore once you find a diamond ring (laughs) because that's all women want. All of a sudden, they smell something terrible. Trash. No, they smell like something that's worse than that. Yeah, because they're in like a garbage processing thing. Yeah. And the the grinder thing is called like a maw or whatever. And it's got to be really bad if you're in a house of trash and something smells. (laughs) Right. You're like, that's worse than what's going on here. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I mean, and you're like, as having that job, you're desensitized to that Mm. smell. Like, So yeah, it had to be something that smelled awful. Yeah. So they stopped this machine because something's stuck in there. Oh, shit. There's a hand. Yeah. We all knew mm. when he was like, something stinks. We're like, dead body. God damn it. Yeah. And they're t- it's such an obvious conversation beforehand because it's like, this is trash. You never know what you're going to find in the trash. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, where's the body? Yeah. Benson and Sailor show up and a forensics cop says that the body is a five or six year old girl who was sexually assaulted and murdered. She got dumped in a commercial dumpster and ended up there. There's no way to find out what truck brought her in. And Stabler wants them to bag up everything that was in this machine so they can try and locate which dumpster she came from. And this guy's like, all of it? Yeah, that's your job. Hmm. Corner Warner says that the girl was strangled to death and it looks like she was raped close to the time of death because her genital injuries show no signs of healing. Yeah, The Vic's skin is shriveled. She's 
actually mummified. Mm-hmm. That tells us that her body was stored before she was thrown into the trash. I hate this. Mm-hmm. In the little girl's hand is a clump of blonde hair that they think she probably snatched off the perp. This is where I have to stop, okay? This episode is so, 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 so far from funny. So please understand mm-hmm. when I say that this whole story show was ridiculously hilarious starting with the clear and present hair wrapped around this little mummy hand the way they have them finding evidence and doing police work is air quoting super hard right now just so you know yeah i (laughs) i'm air quoting so hard that i know you can hear it yeah (laughs) it's ridiculous this whole episode i took so many bananas little videos like oh yeah yeah. And it made me love it. Like, this, you know, this is the, yeah. wor- the worst, worst, worst right. kind of episode for me. It was in your face to the viewers going, we don't care. We're going to keep <laughs> going. <laughs> you know I mean? Something's going to move this story along. Yeah. You guys have an expectation that we do this every fucking week. You think we're going to M. Night Shyamalan twist every fucking episode? No. <laughs> We're gonna find. We're just. Let's get there. This is just. They 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 pretty much like looked in the camera. And we're like was like, fuck you. <laughs> Shrug. Moving on. Hey, <laughs> stupid. Let's just keep it moving. Yeah. Theme song. So at the ME office, Coroner Warner tells Benson and Stabler that the blonde hairs are actually synthetic. She's gonna send them off to the lab to check the FBI database. Which I moving on. The synthetic hairs. Yeah. I know. Okay. Like, maybe they can really pinpoint which party city it came from. (laughs) So, Coroner Warner thinks that the girl's been dead for about six to eight weeks based on the insect activity. Uh, They can't really get any dental records because the Vic's teeth are pretty decayed, and it looks like she probably never saw a dentist. So, Coroner Warner is going to send the body to the forensic anthropologist, which is what I was going to do. Oh, my God, you were? Yeah, it was. I know. I know. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was being a bitch. Yeah, you were. <laughs> well, I'll see you later, you fucking cunt. <laughs> Bye. Podcast over. Okay. I can't slam a door. Before they leave the Emmy office, they're also going to fuck with the mummy hand to try and lift some prints off of it. Yeah. Oh, Corner Warner is sending the body to their forensic anthropologist to do a facial reconstruction. In the squad room, Toots tells Craig that he looked into the dental x-rays anyways, and he couldn't find any missing persons report of a five-year-old African-American girl in the tri-state area, which I'm like, what? Really? None? Yeah. They're trying to figure out why no one would call 911 if their kid was missing. Benson says that maybe the parents didn't want anyone to know she was missing. So if the perp is her parents, that explains why there's no report. And if she's not in school, no one would even know she was missing. Craigan sends Munch and Toots to check with the lab about the garbage that's collected because maybe they can find out where she's from. And Munch is super whiny this whole episode. I don't know. He was just like, uh, uh. yeah, Every, he is. Yeah. SVU pod season one me. Munch is fucking annoying as shit this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Craigan then sends Benson and Stabler out to get her picture around because they have their facial reconstruction stuff now. Yes. At the forensic anthropology lab, this dude made a facial reconstruction of the Vic and made a flyer. He's calling her Cherish Doe because he thinks she deserves a better name than Jane Doe. Okay, so Cherish Doe is in reference to Precious Doe. She was murdered in 2001 but remained unidentified until 2005. Her case Mm. went big in the media because the murder was so terribly brutal and I don't want to talk details. Mm -hmm. Her name was Erica Green. And her parents were charged with the murder. Oh, man. Back to fiction. I hate the reality of this. Why aren't you doing this as the 
chaser because there's one that's more oh. apt i okay. know that it was one of them that i looked into and then there was another one and i was like you'll see okay so the guy playing the forensic anthropologist yeah he looks really familiar his name's jeffrey owens i recognized him and it's because he plays fake don Cheadle, fake tiger woods fake donovan mcnab on always sunny he's the guy who they hired he shows up and he's like what i'm don Cheadle," and they're like you don't look anything like don Cheadle." and he's like okay it's super funny he's a reoccurring character but what was his name again jeffrey owens also i didn't recognize him from this but i'm sure a lot of people would he's on 44 episodes of the cosby show as elvin thibodeau the oldest daughter sandra's husband that's where i reckon yep yes also fuck you bill cosby okay he couldn't get fingerprints because cherish's fingers were too shriveled so he had to disarticulate her hand and is soaking them in embalming fluid to reinflate the tips enough to get a print so Mm -hmm. we'll be back to that Mm -hmm. in the lab hot lab bomb squad book club dude is there with munch and toots he didn't find an address but notices a lot of garbage from a nail salon coffee shop burger joint and fish market in northern wisconsin that would all be one place but anyway munch is like (laughs) yeah oh cool that only leaves a few dozen places for us to check out complaining about it and it's like yeah this guy got it narrowed down to whatever and then munch goes how many city blocks do we have to walk you know it's only two bro chill out (laughs) two blocks two blocks how many blocks do we have to walk and they all winked at the camera (laughs) i would not have been surprised with this episode (laughs) i know (laughs) this episode ripped though it was awesome Mm. i really like this was a good episode but just but yeah it was good as in i don't know it was like quintessential law and order Mm-hmm. Okay. Munch is like, how many blocks do we have to walk? What, like two? And Bomb Squad guy's like, none if you can manage to drag your asses over to the computer. Pew! That pew, pew, was pew. hilarious. So he goes over to the computer. He plugged in businesses that share a dumpster into the zoning and business permit databases and came up with one location. Bloop, 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 bloop. 123rd and Lennox. Munch and Toots are at the businesses checking out the dumpster. So they're just in the back alley of these businesses. Munch is complaining about always getting trash detail. Which is true, though, because remember last time they were like they're, street rats? Like, yeah, they're always riding around in a dumpster. And we're like, you love it, Munch. Toots is like, found it, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is fucking bullshit. This, this is, is bullshit. Well, and then they try to cover it up. This whole thing. He was like, we always get trash detail. And he's like, yeah, because we're really good at it. Oh, and we find shit right away. And then he does. It's a matter of seconds. Boop, boop, boop. Toots is like, what? On top of the trash, not even underneath another piece of trash in the dumpster. Not only did Toots just pluck this piece of evidence from the dumpster the second they got there it's a scraggly scrap of dirty fabric that's the size of an index card and munch immediately knows it's a bloody bed sheet it's not Mm -hmm. even clearly blood it's very dirty this is insane it could be a fucking worn out hanky that somebody had in their back pocket for fucking 40 years like you can't tell what it is just by him picking it up but they're like, look at this bloody bed sheet, better pocket it, Ziploc bag. Beep. Well, what's crazy is why was it in there? Because the dumpster had been dumped. That's how they found the body. Like, why oh would there God, be? Oh my God, yeah. You know what I mean? I yes. Like, why is it in there? And on top of other garbage. It, if, if, if for some reason that little piece didn't make it out of the dumpster, it should be at the very bottom. Like stuck to the bottom. They found her at a garbage processing plant. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't. Okay. So they look around and there's a bunch of windows 
that can see down where this dumpster is. They're like, maybe mm. somebody saw it. Let's go talk to these people and find someone who saw absolutely everything. Uh, I literally, my note was this whole scene was so sloppy. <laughs> it was so, it was, this was the first scene that made me go, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Whoop, look what I found. Yeah. Okay. So this now is, the that, whole, that, that scene made this episode of SVU look like an episode of fucking blues clues. You know, when it, or like Dora the Explorer, <laughs> yeah. when she's like, do you see my backpack? Backpack, backpack. Yeah. Okay. Now the whole gang is sitting at a table at O'Hanna Shanna Murphy's. <laughs> They're sitting down, going to have a lunch and a few half beers. Toots tells Benson and Stabler that CSU matched the blood on the bed sheet to the victim. So it was a fucking whatever. So now they got to go and hand out flyers. But on the news, they see the victim. Well, there's a, you know, it's a sports bar or whatever. So there's a TV. On the news, they see the picture of the victim and it's talking about you know, trying to find the killer. They even talk about the long blonde hairs found in the Vic's hand. And they're like, how the fuck did anybody get that info? That was like, but their holdback. Yeah. Now they're going to have everyone calling and making false confessions and they won't have any way to screen them out. In the squad room, Benson tells Craig and they pass out a few hundred flyers. Nobody recognizes the victim. She might not be from the area, but the purpose, because this is probably his hood. Yeah. They checked paroled sex offenders, but there weren't any in the area, which is bullshit. Bullshit. That's exactly bullshit. They're fucking everywhere. Show me the magical area where there are no sex offenders, and I'll show you how to find a bloody bedsheet in a New York City dumpster. (laughs) They're fucking everywhere. Yeah. You can't go two blocks in New York City without finding a fucking sex offender. And two blocks is all of the city. You can't. Yeah. They literally have nothing. Mm-hmm. They don't know if it's a registered sex offender or a sex offender who hasn't been caught yet. And then Stabler says, quote, or, or some transvestite wearing a blonde wig. Did you notice that he is the one that always brings out the fucking. Yes. And, you're, and it's like everybody's like, I feel like people, they're just like, they pause and kind of look at him like, what? There was something else he said in this episode, too, where I'm like, Stabler, your masculinity is safe. Just. Like, nobody can take it from you. What are you doing, you fucking hard on? Yeah. Jesus. Like, chill out. Maybe some transvestite wear a blonde wig. Yeah, maybe fucking anybody can wear a blonde wig. Okay. Munch says, Munch says no one remembers seeing the Vic with someone that fits that description. And he's talking to, like, about a trans person or whatever. Yeah. Whatever that means. Jesus fucking Christ. Never I mind. know. Looks like there's going to be a candlelight vigil for the Vic tonight. Predators often go back to the scene of the crime or to their victim's funerals. SVU has caught a bunch of people that way. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure that the perp sees that they are cops and maybe they'll notice the guy. Like, maybe he'll be like, <gasps> right. So they got to flush him out. Woo! At Morningside Baptist Church, Starkout, there's a large crowd. There's a guy, a pastor or something speaking. The SVU crew is in their, like, blues, you know, in their badges walking around. Yeah, they look cute, though. They did. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, my God, it was Benson was wearing a little hat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She looked like a little kid in her her dad's hat. It was just like, I feel like it was just too big and it was cute. I didn't know she was a hat girl, but she is. She is. She's an anything girl. Yeah. The pastor speaking is asking the crowd to try their best to remember if they saw anything. Craig takes the mic and tells everyone that SVU needs every lead they can find and they have a tip line. And then the camera pans right behind him and there's this like secret quote, in the bushes secret camera bush thing. But it's like above the bush. And there's like one leaf next to it. <laughs> And yeah. it's huge. It's fucking gigantic and has a red light. So, it's I mean, a like, shoulder camera. <laughs> right. And it's like filming the crowd. And it, I would be staring at that thing the whole time. Like, that's a camera. That's a camera. Maybe they wanted that's that to be obvious, too. 
But if they wanted it to be obvious, wouldn't they just have it on a tripod on the steps? It's like, it's in the bushes. Don't be suspicious. And it's got a fucking lens the size of my face. (laughs) Yeah. Munch and Toots and some camera facial recognition lab dude are in a van watching the footage. He's using this facial recognition software to pick out any known sex offenders whose victims were under 10. Wong had suggested it. Toots notices there's a lady in blue who's kind of looking around a bunch. And Toots is like, why is she looking? Why is she looking around? Why is she looking around so much? Like freaks out. Toots pops out of the van and finds a lady. She says she can't find her daughter. And she says she doesn't know when she went missing, which is like, Toots is like, what? Mm -hmm. So this lady's name is Violet Tremaine. This is actor Gloria Rubin. She's been in a ton of stuff, multiple series. Most notably would be played Jeannie Bolette on 103 episodes of ER. So I didn't watch ER, but that's a big, that's a big role. She comes back to SVU as a reoccurring character, assistant U.S. attorney Christine Danielson in a few episodes from 2007 to 2011. So we see her again in a more significant role. Violet saw the Vic on the news and it might be her daughter. She has a picture. Her name is Nina and they look really similar. Mm-hmm. So in the conference room, Toots is talking to Violet. She says she's been gone for five months in rehab and she just got back. Fucking Toots's judgy face too. He's like, I'm not judging you. And then he goes like this mm-hmm. and like does that judgy face where he smushes his lips together and is like, yeah. And then she like stands up and she's like, I'm not a fucking crackhead. Violet, Nina and Nina's dad were in a car accident, Nina's father was killed and Violet fucked up her back and got hooked on painkillers, which is like the more acceptable way to be, I guess. To be an addict, yeah. Yeah. So she left Nina with a neighbor because she didn't want ACS to take her because she might not get her back. Mm-hmm. The neighbor is Mrs. Hawkins and she was like a grandmother to Nina and watched her all the time and never took money. Toots is like, did you even check up on her? Violet wasn't allowed to call from rehab, but wrote Nina letters. Last week, her letter was returned and she got worried. And then she saw the news and she just left rehab. She didn't check out. She just left. Mm-hmm. And then she got back to New York. Mrs. Hawkins' phone was disconnected. Turns out Mrs. Hawkins had died six weeks earlier and none of the neighbors knew what happened to Nina. Toots is like, tell me about Nina. So oh, she's five and can't wait to start school. She has a lot of energy. She likes to jump rope a lot, which is something that the Emmy pointed out about her shoes well that was something she pointed out about the victim yeah so she's sitting here going i'm explaining this to you so that we all believe that this victim that you guys Mm -hmm. found is nina yeah slow and steady toots asks violet when's the last time that nina had gone to the dentist and violet was like well it's been a few years violet is a freelance painter and nina's dad didn't have dental insurance well, you know, one of the things the ME said was that she, her teeth were kind of shitty. She starts getting upset and she's like, oh my God, this is fucking Nina. And she wants to go look for her now, but it's fucking midnight. And Toots is like, how can I get a hold of you? And she's like, I haven't fucking thought of that. I don't have a phone or anywhere to stay. And then Toots is like, I'm going to take care of that. Because he cares. In the squad room, Toots is telling Munch that he believes Violet. And Munch is like, junkies lie all the time. We got to show her the body. And Toots is like, I don't want to do that. It doesn't look good. And I don't want to put her through that it's traumatic and the face was stuck in the maw and it's like she doesn't have a face like what is the point no there's oh god like get her dna maybe and test it that's it and all of a sudden munch has no compassion for someone right it's like there's just enough for one person to have it every episode yeah so then munch is like you're paying for her hotel room aren't you she's like big fucking deal it's not your business Mm-hmm. And they're like getting into it. They're getting like louder and louder. Yeah. yeah. Which I would be annoyed too if I was Toots. Because Munch kept saying, we got to show her. She mm-hmm. has to ID her. And it's like, shut the fuck up, dude. What Toots says is that somebody has to know who took Nina after Mrs. Hawkins died. So Toots wants to canvas for Nina ASAP. 
Then Munch is like, I bet that Violet doesn't even have a kid. What? Mm-hmm. Well, by now, Stabler and Benson pop in and they're wondering what's going on. They're like, why are you guys fighting? Toots pulls out Nina's birth certificate. And he's like, yeah, fucking right, Munch, you piece of shit. You asshole, you pile of rats. This is her birth certificate. I've got proof. You think I'm not doing my due diligence, you fucking asshole? He's like, back off. Back off. And Benson's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys need a little break ski from each other. Why don't mm-hmm. I go with Tootles? And Staves is like, okay, I'll go with Munch. So Benny and Toots are going to go canvas. Staves and Munch are going to go sort through new leads. This is a Benson and Toots episode. Which I like. Mm-hmm. At Mrs. Hawkins' apartment building, the Supers telling Benson and Toots that Mrs. Hawkins died of a heart attack on the way back from the market. Nina mm-hmm. was with her and called 911 from a payphone. Nina is five. Yeah, she's a little smarty pants. What a brave kid. Mm-hmm. He lets the detectives into Mrs. Hawkins' apartment, and it's completely empty because the salvation had come and taken everything. Mm-hmm. He didn't know where Violet was, so he had to send Nina to child welfare. Well, they head on over to the ACS office. Benson and Toots are now talking to Nina's caseworker. This woman is played by Eileen Getz. She played Judith in Third Rock from the Sun. Do you remember that? Did you watch that show? I did, but I don't remember Judith. She was like kind of like a Mrs. Trunchbull-esque woman. I don't know what that means. Mrs. Trunchbull from Matilda? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She the was- lady that's like, eat that cake or something. Yeah, she wasn't like mean, but she was like a very like stern kind of lady. Mm -hmm. She worked with John Lithgow's character. Anyway, she was on Broadway. She was on every big sitcom in the 90s. She was also a chairwoman for her local charter of Planned Parenthood and the American Red Cross. So we love her, even though she kind of sucks in this episode. And she also passed at 43 of ovarian cancer just a couple years after this. So RIP Eileen Getz and way to be on the right side of fucking history. Mm Mm-hmm. She tells the detectives that all Nina could tell her was that her mom went away. She didn't know anything Mm -hmm. else. Violet didn't leave any numbers for any relatives. So Nina was considered an abandoned child. Her caseworker goes on to say that Violet should have contacted them instead of the neighbor. And Mm -hmm. they could have had Nina placed while Violet was gone. ACS doesn't really make it easy for kids to get back to their parents. So Benny and Toots were like, I mean, it's pretty obvious why she gave her to the neighbor that she trusted. Mm -hmm. This lady goes, kids are better off in foster care than raised by addicts. She says the courts will decide if Violet can have Nina back and she won't release the information to where Nina is. Fucking Toots whips out the reconstructive photo of the victim and tells this stupid bitch that she was raped and murdered and tossed in a dumpster. And he's like, don't get in my way, lady. (laughs) (laughs) She looks appalled, shocked, and scared and just gives in and says that she placed Nina with Thelma Price. Okay, so Mrs. Price answers her apartment door. There's this neighbor lady across the hall coming back from doing her laundry or whatever, and she rubbernecks so hard behind Benny and Toots, like into the apartment. Oh, it's great. (laughs) They ask her where Nina is, and she's like, she's not here. She tells them to ask ACS, and they were like, we were just there. She's like, if you don't believe me, fucking look around, you know? And so she looks around to prove she's not lying. And then she's like dusting the chandelier. Angrily feather dusting the chandelier. Yeah, she's like, oh, Nina was nothing but trouble. She was messy and had so much energy. She says that over a month ago, ACS came and got her. Nina's caseworker never even did a home visit. She also says that the person that came to get Nina wasn't her caseworker. It was some white guy with dark hair. Mm -hmm. Hmm? And she doesn't remember his name. She's like, it was like a month ago. I don't fucking remember that shit. Mm-hmm. So now they're back at ACS <laughs> and Benson's asked this bitch 
when's the last time she saw Nina? And she's like, mm, mm, last week. Lies. They're like, who else did you send to do a home check? And she's like, I've never have sent a dude to come do a check. In the lady's records, it says that she visited Nina last Tuesday, but Thelma said she didn't. And then this chick says, that woman is a liar. And then Toots yells, you're the liar, lady. Lady. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I want my union rep. And Benson's like, well, tell your union rep that Nina is missing and you haven't seen her in six goddamn weeks. You're responsible for this child's safety and you didn't even bother to check in on her. The lady goes, it's not my fault. And like chases them out. Yeah, and she's like throwing files. We know how many kids. Blah, 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 blah. Benson and Toots just roll their eyes and fucking basically tell her she's trash and leave. Now we're at the Hotel Alexander. Violet is pissed and asks Toots how ACS could let someone just take her kid. Toots tells her that they're doing everything they can to find the dude that took Nina. So Violet has a ton of drawings that Nina did, and Toots is going to use some of those to try to get fingerprints off them. One is a fucking whole ass handprint. Like, of it, like a turkey thing. You know? Yeah, like a finger paint handprint. What fucking luck, though? I know. <laughs> She's like, take the drawings, but it's all I have, so be careful. Toots is like, this will be perfect. <laughs> right, friends? And then looks at the camera, and we're friends. And we go, right, Toots. <laughs> In the lab, Benson shows the hot bomb squad fucking lab dude the picture. He's got the mummified hand that he was soaking, mm-hmm. and he did prints off them, but they don't match nina's hand at all yeah so nina's not the dead girl but where the fuck is she yeah where's nina in the squad room benson and toots tells the gang what's up the same dude that took the vic could have taken nina they look like sisters they were from the same neighborhood benson is skeptical because the perp had dark hair when he took nina but there was blonde wig hairs in cherish's hand why would that be weird why would that be weird the dark hair guy put a wig on there yeah like that's that's (laughs) i know when she said that i was like get out of here did you also believe that clark Kent wasn't Superman because you saw him with his glasses on? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Kraken comes up and tells everyone that Cherish's real name is Susie Marshall. So the computer in the lab found the prints on file off this severed hand from what's called a kid print. Susie's grandma had her fingerprinted during safety week. I remember doing that when I was a kid. And then later I was like, that is so fucking... Yeah. Yeah, like I they know. Were f- literally like, here's what it's like to get your finger printed. I was like, cool. And they gave me one and they kept the other one. And then it was the years later, I was like, they just fucking categorized all the future criminals. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, hey, you know what's fun? Giving us a vial of your blood. Exactly. I'm sure my parents yep, my parents were like, absolutely take fingerprints of this bitch. <laughs> They're like, pluck hair sample. <laughs> I'm surprised fucking Munch didn't repel in when she said that and was like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe they're doing that. Woo! At the residence of Eleanor Marshall, Munch and Benson are talking to Eleanor. She's the grandmother of the little Susie, Cherish, the victim in the trash uh, thing. Yeah. She's upset and she says she always thought this day would come, but not her grandchild being dead. She Mm. always thought Ronnie, her daughter, would die. She's a junkie. That's why Eleanor was taking care of Susie. Her daughter, Ronnie, asked Eleanor to babysit Susie overnight and disappeared for months. She'd come home sober and want Susie back and it would happen all over again. Eleanor actually hasn't seen Susie in about five or six months. And then they're like, weren't you worried? And she was like, I wasn't worried. I was relieved because Ronnie told her that a man from ACS came to take Susie away. So Eleanor is like, oh, my God, good. She's going to get taken care of. But really, it's this fucking dude who just straight up comes into people's houses and takes fucking kids. Yeah. In the squad room, the whole gang's talking about what the fuck is going on. It's 
it's obvious that the perp profiles and targets at-risk kids. So when a social worker steps up to their door, nobody asks any questions. The problem mm. is that ACS has no record of contacting Susie or her mom. There has to be a different connection. The perp probably knows the kids or their moms. We mm. know that Nina's dad is dead. Susie's dad went back to Jamaica. Susie's mom, Ronnie, was last seen strung out on the streets. They've got to mm. go back to Violet. Maybe she can connect the dots between Ronnie and Susie. So they get Violet in a conference room with Benny and Toots. She doesn't recognize Nina, but does recognize Ronnie because of the big scar on her face. She saw mm -hmm. her at an NA meeting. They want Violet to now go to these NA meetings and ask around about Ronnie because the whole point of NA and AA is confidentiality. So they need her to do it. Yeah. Like they can't go in and be like, hey, we're cops. You guys holding? Like that's not right. On the other side of the glass in Craigan's underwater sea lab. <sighs> <laughs> Cabot's pissed they're trying to put a civilian in the middle of a police investigation Craig and Knott's on the glass which you're not supposed to do at an aquarium by the way yeah don't they don't like that sound travels mm -mm. it's loud get Toots it because they're Benson. underwater that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> Toots and Benson come in and Cabot tells them to not even fucking try it she knows that Violet is their only chance but she prefers to get information legally if Violet goes in She's acting on behalf of the police and the information she gathers won't be admissible in court. Cabot's like, I'm going to get a subpoena. And they're like, for what? It's it's anonymous. Right. AA and NA don't keep membership logs. There's nothing to subpoena. Yeah. Toots convinces her that Violet is their only way and he doesn't want to have to tell Violet that Cabot puts the law above her child. He's fucking shifty. But mm -hmm. he's not wrong. He's like, hey, Cabot, don't be a stupid bitch. Mm -hmm. Don't do your job. How are you going to sleep tonight unless you do what I want, though? <sighs> Cabot. Mm. She's like, okay, fine. Yeah, Cabot gives in, but she's like, this has to be done the right way. Craigan tells Toots he can only go to open NA meetings, which means anyone can go, even non-edics. And Toots mm. has to disclose his presence. And he is not to let Violet out of his sight. Correct. At an NA meeting, Violet is telling her story. She's talking about how she harmed her child by being an addict. Because she was high, she couldn't take care of Nina and someone had to take her. She hands out some flyers to the group. And then she says, I have to find Ronnie. She knows that Ronnie's been to these meetings before and was hoping to get some information. And then some guy's like, isn't that against the rules? And she's like, it's the only way I can find my daughter and whoever murdered Ronnie's daughter. A dude gets up to leave and Toots follows him. Dude does not want to talk. The guy's like, I've got nothing to say. And Toots is like, why are you running like a little scared rabbit? What? Yeah. Hippity hoppity. Fucking delivering baskets. Little pellet poops. <laughs> Bunny time, motherfucker. Toots says, this isn't a scam. I won't tell anybody that you talk to me. And the guy's like, okay, fine. He says that him and Ronnie used to get high at this place together called the Starlight Lounge. And Toots is like, bye, because he's got to find her, you know? Yeah. Bye, I'm totally telling everybody you told me their names. <laughs> <laughs> Toots gives him three hard thank you shoulder slaps before mm -hmm. he takes off. He's like, yeah. Okay, at the Starlight Lounge, we're in some kind of back dressing room storage area with this uncy uns music playing and i was like mm -hmm. is the starlight lounge a strip club there's this woman in the background like getting ready in a I mirror i don't what think it was yeah yeah because then there's like disco balls up there but it's also kind of divey i don't know um Maybe they're but just, they're like, they had some go-go dancers or the women dressed up I don't yeah know. so toots is talking to some dude who totally remembers ronnie he goes oh yeah 
Yeah, Ronnie used to come in a while back. I threw her out for shooting up in the can. Haven't seen her since. Violet's there too, and she asks the dude if he knows where they can find her as they follow this dude up a set of stairs to the bar. Yeah. He's carrying a giant box of liquor. He goes, I don't get personal with the customers. They pay, they drink, they leave. Tooth is like, mm-hmm. well, who is she talking to? He's like, only guys who are drunk enough to think she looked good. She'd go with a leper for the price of a fix. A few things, okay? Mm-hmm. A few things. A few things. Leprosy yeah. is now called Hansen's disease for this very judgy reason, okay? Oh, I didn't know that. Well, because somebody discovered the, I, I don't know the medical term for it, but the guy who discovered this thing, this microbe, whatever, is named Hansen. So they changed it to Hansen's disease. And it's also like leprosy. It's straight from the Bible, you know? Mm-hmm. Like people are, it's like, oh, you're a fucking leper. And it's just, it's synonymous with outcast, right? It's it's a right. fucking yeah. disease. It's curable now. Anyway, it, it is, yeah. Second, it's amazing to me what dudes think they have room to criticize the fucking hubris of this guy. Oh my saying god! That shit. Keep grunting, like, dude. This dude's like, huh, yeah. Huh, I don't know. She wasn't that hot. Huh, huh. <laughs> Shut the fuck yeah. up. Okay, Brad Pitt. No shit. So the guy that he wakes up at the bar, his name is Pat. He's out of it, very drunk. This was actor Ronnie Clinton. He was in Juice, The Royal Tenenbaums, all of the Law and Orders, <gasps> Boardwalk Empire. Oh. He's also coming back to SVU in 2004. He's a great, I mean, he has the tiniest role here, but he did it so fucking well. I know. He was like, oh my God, don't fucking remind me. She fucking stole my wallet. Yeah. They porked in the alley because he was staying at a woman's shelter and they didn't allow guests, which I didn't like saying together. What? I didn't like saying they porked in an alley because she was at a woman's shelter and they couldn't allow guests. I was like, okay, well. That's why. But they they were porking. They porked. At Helping Hearts Women's Shelter, Toots and Violet are walking through a room that's dark and full of sleeping women on cots. Toots is mm-hmm. waving a flashlight all over these people that are just trying mm-hmm. to fucking sleep. I get yeah. it. Like, this is this is a time crunch thing. It's like you don't have the... At least he didn't go in and flip the lights on and go, okay, ladies, get up. <laughs> Even though that wouldn't surprise me. Violet spots yeah. Ronnie and they wake her up. She's got a gnarly ass scar on her cheek, like Heath Ledger Joker level scar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's clear that she's had a rough go. Yeah. This is actor Susan Meisner. She's a series gal. She's been in Billions, Shut Eye, The Americans, The Good Wife, Nashville, fucking Gossip Girl. Like a ton of appearances in these really good roles. Toots tells her that he's a cop and Violet tells her that she's looking for her daughter. Ronnie goes, if you give me 20 bucks, I'll help you all you want. And Toots is like, no, stop being a piece of shit, lady. He tells her that they think the same man that took Violet's daughter took Ronnie's daughter. But Ronnie says that's impossible because a social worker took her daughter. Toots is like, oh my God, I'm really sorry, but Susie's dead. And Ronnie's immediate response is, she's better off. Damn. That pisses Toots off to no end. He grabs her and heads off to the precinct. Yeah. Which is like, this woman is in the most broken place that she's probably ever been in her her life. Mm -hmm. Probably thinking, I can't go any deeper. And you just tell her her daughter's dead. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's just not a lot of room for grace with addicts dealing with some really intense shit by these people. Mm -hmm. But backpack, backpack, off to the fucking (laughs) squad room. 
<laughs> in the precinct cells, mm-hmm. Ronnie is fucking withdrawing super hard. She's like, can I go now? And Toots gives her some, quote, orange juice, a.k.a. methadone. Ronnie wants to know what the fuck they want with her. They want her to describe the man that took Susie, but she can't really remember and wants to leave. He's pissed that she doesn't care about her daughter. That's what he's assuming. But she says that the man that took her was a social worker and he was right to take her because she's not fit to be a mom. She says, quote, Susie deserved more than me and now she's gone and there's nothing I can do to change that. Mm. Toots just says he wants her to help save the other girl, Nina. And then he's like gassing her up. and He's like, you can fucking do this. Yeah, she crushed this scene. They both did Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Like there have been scenes where Toots is with a great actor and he's like, I'm going to act super good, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's yeah. like not like, so much you're like don't though. but this one this one it was good he did good she was i mean she was incredible mm-hmm. brava milady in the squad room benson shows nina's foster mom thelma the sketch that ronnie described to the artist she recognizes him mm-hmm. toot says that there has to be a connection between the three of them meaning ronnie violet and thelma so Ronnie and Violet went to the same N.A. meetings, but Thelma's never been to an N.A. meeting. So they're like, well, it's probably not the N.A. meetings, but the locations of the N.A. meetings. Ronnie remembers that she had been to the community center on 8th Avenue. And Thelma's like, I've been there for bingo. And Nina liked the playroom. Violet mm-hmm. had also been there for meetings. And Nina came with her as well. Mm-hmm. boop a doop boom boom At the community center, this lady is looking at the artist's rendition of the guy and says that he never wore glasses and must have shaved his beard and cut his hair, but it could be a guy named Terry Jessup. This lady's name is Barbara Andrus. She was in The Sopranos. Okay. And she's also been in like all the law and orders. I don't know. I, I never know when to like, I just look up everybody. Yeah. She's known Terry Jessup most of his life because he pretty much grew up at the community center. His mom was very unstable. ACS was called many times for him, but he denied that his mom was abusing him. He worked at the community center as a janitor until a few months ago. He loved fixing the broken toys. He was around the kids a lot and had a big doll collection of his own, which Toots thinks is a weird hobby for a grown man. Put a pin Mm -hmm. in that. Right. Terry inherited the dolls from his mom, and he called them his legacy. Toots and Benson show this woman pictures of Nina and Susie. She recognizes them, too. She can't imagine Terry being in trouble with the police, but did say that Terry used to spend more time with the kids who had trouble at home because they needed extra love. Mm. And she said it like, oh, my God, I wonder if Mm. this is a thing. And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now Benson and Munch bust into Terry's apartment, but he's fucking gone. And it looks like he had taken off right after he kidnapped Susie because Benson finds this newspaper and she's like, oh, this newspaper is from ba-ba-ba this much time ago. Mm-hmm. He has to have another place where he stashed Susie before he dumped her. Benson opens a drawer. Oh, thank God. The exact thing they needed to find was in the very first place she looked. A fucking mm-hmm. Polaroid of Susie dressed up like a doll. Found it. Oh, oh, what's this? There's nothing in this room. Oh, look, he left the exact thing that we would need to find to make sure that we knew this was him. Right. (laughs) In the precinct, Wong is doing a walk and talk with Benson and Munch. He says that the dolls are idealized representations of men and women, like pure, perfect, and sexless. So Terry uses dolls to act out his fantasy. He feels guilty for being attracted to children, so he turns them into dolls. And that works for a little while. And then he gives in and has sex with the, quote, doll. Mm. And then it's not a doll anymore, so he kills it. Which I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's very complicated and fucking fucked. Anyways, he stashes the body because he feels guilty, then dumps it when he finds a new, quote, playmate. Stabler got the psych records on Terry's mom. She was diagnosed with severe depression and mania. 
she would go out and have sex with a bunch of dudes and then go on a spending spree and buy nothing but dolls. Her shrink said that she was on and off abusive and seductive towards Terry. Yeah, and Toots was like, perfect way to raise a serial killer. Mm -hmm. It's always the mom. Yeah, but in this case, it's like, But in this case, it's the mom. (laughs) Yeah. Munch had talked to some of Terry's neighbors. Terry's mom had died a year ago, and it pushed Terry over the edge, and he became reclusive and explosive. Craigan comes in the room and says that CSU didn't find any evidence of Susie or Nina in his apartment. This dude has to have another place that he does this shit and then dumps the bodies back in the neighborhood. Hot bomb squad lab dude comes in with a box full of fucking dolls. Pause. Mm -hmm. His own doll collection. And we skip right by that. Nobody has anything to say about it. Wait, that's his doll? No, it was Terry's. No, his own doll collection. He said, this is mine. I also collect dolls. I didn't catch that at all. It was just the level of convenience that the niche hobby of doll collecting is shared by someone in the precinct. First of all, he knew a lot of information. No, that was his, because they're like, more evidence? And he's like, nope, these are my dolls. Toots, you're going to tell this guy that his hobby's weird? I don't know. 100%, Gabe. 100%. Wow, that's crazy. If it, Yeah, wow. It's not crazy. It's just, no, it's just everything is so obvious. The hobby isn't crazy. It's the fact that the dude had a, his own doll collection when this was an episode about fucking dolls. Yeah. He's like, I've been waiting for this one. Boop, boop, boop. Got a box of dolls. He's got them in his back seat buckled in because they're really important to him. Got a box of dolls. I'm going to bring to the precinct. Back, pack, back, pack. <laughs> dolls. <laughs> Okay, the blonde hair that was in Susie's hand comes from a Madame Charlotte doll. It's a pretty rare doll, and there's only three stores in the city that sell it. Now we're at Flecker's Toy Shop. The owner is talking to Benson and Munch, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've known Terry for years. He's been collecting for a long time. The last time he saw Terry was a few months ago when he came in to buy the new Princess Alexis doll. He doesn't give a shit about anything and totally just gives him Terry's address without a blink of an eye. He's just like, yeah, yeah, sure, I have his address. I don't give a shit. Yeah. The problem is, is that's Terry's old address where they already were. And they're like, well, he hasn't given you an updated address. I mean, he collects dolls all the time. You guys are always in contact. And he's like, no. But a few weeks ago, he came in to pre-order a Virginia Bell doll. And he left a number for him to call when it got in. Toots is like, call him. Tell him it's in. I'm like, right now. And he's like, cool. Oh Let's do God. it. <laughs> this, okay. This has got to be the funniest scene in the whole episode. Mm-hmm. The whole gang is in the store pretending that they're perusing the store full of doll shit. Okay. But they're all like side-eyeing each other the whole time. It's fucking. I want to know how many times Terry had gone into that store and it had a bunch of other adults without kids browsing dolls. Mm-hmm. Like, these detectives are dressed in the Party City costume in a bag detective outfits, first of all. (laughs) Munch has his curly ear cord, which is like, why? Isn't that for when you have to communicate from a distance? The store is the size of a walk-in fucking closet. They're Mm -hmm. breathing all over each other in here. You Mm -hmm. don't need that, Munch. He's like, but it's cool and I want to wear it. It smells like cops in there. (laughs) Like, it's just... So, in this super stealth takedown the shop guy nods to olivia that terry's in the store yeah got it okay bing terry jessup is actor david harbour oh hi chief of police jim hopper from stranger things (gasps) he's so young here he looks so young dude that dude is a 
babe. Mm. So the store owner tells Terry that the Virginia Bell was damaged, but offers him another rare doll. And he's like, I don't collect those. And he's like, come on. And he goes, okay. <laughs> That's like exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And the store owner's like, I'm going to call you when another shipment comes in. All right. Terry turns to walk out of the store and Munch pulls out his extra large Acme detective magnifying glass and Benson open mouth stares at him from 10 feet away. That's what you call detective work, people. I'm going to send you the video that I took. I'm surprised fucking Stabler wasn't standing two <laughs> inches from his face with binoculars looking into his fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, Benson? She stares, 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 stares at him. Okay, now Toots and Benson are going to go follow him. Cut to Terry Jessup carrying his doll and crawling through an opening in a locked fence. It looks like he's going into a storage yard of some sort. Oh my fucking God. Benny and Toots must have been in neutral just rolling behind him because they cruise by right after he crawls through this hole, windows down, head at full side turn, staring at him, going into his very secret place. I also took a video of that and I'm going to send it to you. Fucking Terry's in his little place. Benny and Toots bust him with their guns. They're like, hands in the air. And he's got this weird slow motion voice. He goes, don't hurt me. And they ask, yeah. <laughs> they're like, where's Nina? And he's like, I don't know. Actually, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Stabler's there too. And he immediately sees that Terry's top sheet is missing. Remember that hanky size scrap from the mm -hmm. fucking dumpster? He's mm -hmm. like, did you use it to wrap up Susie Marshall's body? This guy is squatting in an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> Why are we assuming he's using a fucking top sheet? His bed is probably a stained mattress with a sleeping bag on it. Like, where the fuck is your bed skirt, you piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> Munch throws some of his dolls to the ground and Terry's like, don't! And Munch is like, oh yeah? Keeps breaking the dolls. Terry's getting more and more upset because Munch is like shattering these porcelain dolls. And Terry's just like, Nina's not here. Okay. In the precinct, Benson tells Cabot that they did a lineup and they have positive IDs from Thelma and Ronnie. She's like, I don't even need a confession to win this case. But Toots reminds her that they do need a confession in order to find Nina. This dude kept Susie alive and breathing for two to four weeks, and they're at the four-week mark with Nina. Wong says that if he had killed Nina, Terry would be agitated right now and feeling like he needed to be on the prowl for his next victim. But instead, he's in the fucking interrogation room, totally sleeping, like head down and everything. Toots wants them all to leave so he can have a, quote, talk with Terry. And Wong's like, nope, Terry's not going to respond to threats. He'll probably shut down. This dude is lonely, and the only thing he has is dolls and children. What he needs is a friend. Yeah, because Toots wanted to go in there and, like knock him around a little bit right so toots and benson are in the interrogation room and they're like terry your fucking dolls are gorgeous mm. and he's like yeah girls are lucky because they can play with dolls boys aren't supposed to don't even fucking i know yeah. toots tries yeah. to relate to him here and tell him about his gi joes like it's even close to the same thing and terry's like those are fucking action figures you basic bitch <laughs> And this is the only thing that Terry and I agree on. Action figures are safe dolls for little boys to play with and not get mm -hmm. made fun of or punished for. Not in my fucking house. Right. Yeah. And I hope not in anybody else's that listens to this. If you're like weird about little boys playing with dolls, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Stop having kids. Everybody. <laughs> All of you. Please stop <laughs> for a minute. Terry says dolls were his mom's most precious possession and he inherited them when she died and she couldn't take them away from him. Ugh. She used to hit him when he touched them. She would say, boys are too rough, etc. blah, blah, blah. You know, that whole fucking trope. But when she was really happy, she'd let him dress them up and he was very careful with them. Toots pointed out that he had a wicked burn scar on his hand. 
Benson asks if his mom gave it to him when she was mad, and he says that his mom loved him, but little boys are wicked. The little boy in him that he's talking about breaks mm. my fucking heart. I know. Yeah. I feel like we know that this is like really hard for Toots to be cool around Terry, but he does say, like, your mom had no right to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And then Terry starts crying and says that children deserve to be loved and bad moms shouldn't bring kids into the world. He said that Susie's mom was a crack whore and she was sad all the time and Terry let Susie play with dolls. At the center, Susie wanted to play with his dolls at first and then she just wanted to go home. And so she broke one of his dolls. Terry gets upset and doesn't. he says he doesn't want to talk about her anymore. Toots is like, where the fuck is Nina? Where do you keep her? But he won't say. He insists that Violet's not a good mom because she left Nina with, quote, that evil woman. Mm-hmm. And he saw Nina getting yelled at by her. And it's just like, that, that made me really... It was just, Mm -hmm. he's truly sick because he thinks he is caring about them. Yeah. You know, and saving them from, it's just really sad. They tell him that Nina's mom came back and wants to see her daughter. And this dude just kind of is losing it and won't respond. And he's like rocking back and forth. Outside of the interrogation room, Wong tells Benson and Munch that Terry completely disassociated and they need to give him a minute. They don't fucking have time, dude. Like Nina's going to die. Violet walks in and is like, oh my God, you guys, Toots called me. This is the guy. And Benson fucking shoots a look at Toots like, what the fuck? Why did you tell? Like, they don't know for sure. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they do, but they don't. You can't do that. You know, right. Benson's like, hey, we have a suspect, but we don't know if it's him. Violet wants to go in and talk to Terry. Benson is fucking pissed and pulls Toots to the side and bitches him out for calling Violet without telling her. She's like, I thought we were like partners in this. Munch thinks that Violet and Terry need to talk and Benson's like, bad idea. Toots thinks he can he can prep Violet and that she'll be able to handle it. Wong was in the background like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep, totally. Good idea. Terry thinks that he was saving Nina from an abusive parent. If he met Violet, he might change his mind and tell them where she is. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't work, dude could shut down and the guilt would ruin Violet's life. But they have to do something or Nina's going to die. Right. These are all the arguments that they're spinning back and forth. But I think at the end of the day, they're all going to go with what Wong thinks is the best idea. Mm -hmm. Like this is like high psychology shit they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Violet is a bad, 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 bad bitch. And she's ready to go in and talk to Terry. She wants her fucking daughter back. Benson goes in with her. He immediately recognizes Violet as Nina's mom. She's like calm and chill the entire time. She tells him that she left Violet to help her because she was no good to her in the condition she was in. But she came back for Nina and he tells her it's too late. And this woman's eyes are like watering, welled up, but she's like, Stay cool, stay cool. Like, oh, just fucking moms loving their babies and like lifting up cars and handling Mm -hmm. shit that is like way beyond what a normal person should be able to handle. Oh Mm -hmm. my God. Oh, fucking TM Gabe Diamond Nips over here. (laughs) Where am I? (laughs) Toots jumps in. He's like, dude, it's not too late. You got to make this right. Terry starts crying and Violet's kind of crying. And she's like, listen, Terry, I'm a good mom and I love Nina. And without her, it feels like there's a knife in my heart. You can see him be like, oh my God, this mom loves her daughter and she needs her daughter. And he's like, I've got another place. Mm-hmm. The gang into this apartment and they start looking for Nina. After 14 seconds of not finding anything, Benson's like, this bastard's playing us. Nina wasn't sitting on the welcome mat when we walked in, so she's clearly (laughs) not here. You didn't ask him where in his apartment she was. You didn't ask for any details at all. You just got an address and took a, I don't know. Ask him if she's hidden. It's questionable detective work, this episode, you guys. Uh, that's the understatement of season four. I know. Thank, <laughs> thanks, sweet baby Jeremy, that this case worked out because 
not not well laid out. Toots finds a trap door in a closet. He goes down the ladder and finds Nina under a bed. She's blindfolded and he tells her she's going to be okay. He's a cop and he's got her. She goes, I want my mom. Oh, this is the last one, obviously, because this is the last like new person we're introduced to. But I mm-hmm. needed some positive something from this little girl. Nina is played by Tiala Dunn. A lot of times I find that there are kid actors on SVU that have super, super small roles and they end up not doing a whole lot in their careers as far as, you know, roles go. But this little girl has a fucking pile of credits she's voiced Mm. characters in cartoon series she was a main character on the tv series are we there yet she was on the thundermans which is huge at my house she's a fucking youtuber with three million subscribers okay nina is doing pretty 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 good okay so everything worked out for her let's go back to fiction toots is carrying her out of this warehouse or something wherever terry was squatting she's so itty bitty and Violet's there, absolutely pumped, and takes Nina into her arms and whispers thank you to Toots. Yeah. What if she was like, thank you, Toots? I would have lost my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Toots. And he's like, don't fucking call me that. That was a good fucking episode, dude. It was it was was good good in the corniest way. Like there's so much Is that corn? It was there's so much corny in that fucking episode. Which made me love it and made me be able to tolerate it more yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. the cut like the kid stuff and the oof oof yeah all right let me fucking do this this is gonna be a quickie Rilia shanice wilson was That's born september 29th 1996 she was born into struggle and hardship Rilia's mom suffered with addiction which obviously directly affected Rilia. Mm-hmm. it wasn't long before the florida department of children and families was involved DCF. Mm -hmm. They determined that Gloria, her mom, wasn't fit to raise Rilia and terminated her parental rights. Mm -hmm. Manville Cash was listed as Rilia's possible father on the termination documents, but he was in and out of prison for drugs and other felonies. There Mm -hmm. was no father listed on her actual birth certificate. Rilia spent a very short time in the custody of Cash's aunt, Pamela Kendrick, before being removed for neglect. And I'm not sure Hmm. what to believe 100% in this case. There are accounts that said that the Kendrick household was warm and loving to Rilia and that her next caretaker was actually making false reports so that she could get custody of her. I'm hoping for the latter, even though at the end of the day, all of this is terrible. But I'm hoping that that little girl had some love and affection in her life. Yeah. So oh. the person who had made this report, the person she was put into the care of, was Garolyn Graham. Graham also was responsible for William's new little sister, Rodrika. Okay. Graham claimed to be the girl's grandmother, but there was nothing substantiating that. The way the process should have gone mm-hmm. with DCF was there should have been a DNA test to determine paternity because there was mm-hmm. no proof that Graham's son was the father. Yeah. A DNA test wasn't done, and the girls were just put into her custody. Okay. The assigned caseworker, Deborah Miskelly, would be required to do a monthly check-in on Rilia and Rodrika. Mm-hmm. Cut to April 2002. Caseworker Dora Betancourt was going through Rilia's file and found that nobody had checked on her for 15 fucking months. Whoa. What the fuck? Dora was like, 
Oh, my God. She set up a check-in immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, Brilia wasn't there. Gerilyn Graham alleges that on January 18th, 2001, an unidentified mm -hmm. woman came to her home saying she had to take Brilia for some kind of evaluation. Mm -hmm. She claims that this is the last time she saw the four-year-old little girl. In the meantime, Graham continued to cash checks and accept food stamps from the state of Florida that she received for Brilia's care. Okay. Also, DCF claims that they never sent anyone to take Rilia for any kind of evaluation. Mm -hmm. It turns out Deborah mm. Kelly rarely, if ever, visited the girls. She falsified paperwork constantly. Her supervisor, Willie Harris, was supposed to be getting these updates from Muskelly as well. Yeah. So there were like checks and balances that everyone was skirting their responsibility on. Willie Harris was just like, yeah, I'll take your word for it that you're doing this. Mm. OMG, and Dora, who was freaking out, reported this missing little girl to her supervisors. They didn't report it to the police for a full week. What? Then on top of that, they didn't move Rodrika from Graham's care until May. Holy fuck. The search for Rilia went on for years. The news of her disappearance had spread nationwide, but even with a readily available tip line and $100,000 reward, the case was cold. Mm. In August of 2004, Graham... The woman yeah. is serving time for welfare and food stamp fraud. Okay, it's got nothing to do with Relia. But then this inmate, Robin Lunsford, comes forward. She tells police that Graham had confessed to her that she had, in fact, murdered Relia. Two other inmates then confirmed this confession to be true. Lunsford testified that Graham told her she smothered Relia with a pillow because the little girl was evil and plagued by demons from prior abuse that she had suffered. She also testified that Relia's body was buried in a ravine near a cookout and fishing spot that Graham frequented. Oh my God. She said that she buried her by the water to cleanse her soul. What in the fuck? I know. Graham was officially charged in the murder of Rilia Wilson in March of 2005. I have no idea why a trial took so fucking long, but the trial happened in 2012. Graham was facing kidnapping charges and three counts of child abuse. Pamela Graham, who lived with Gerilyn Graham, testified against her at trial, stating mm -hmm. that both of them had spanked Rilia and punished her by locking her in a dog kennel and laundry room for extended periods of time, like hours mm -hmm. or even days. She also testified that Graham would zip tie Rilia to her bed at night to prevent her from getting up. Pamela, this is a different Pamela now. The, the first Pamela I told you about was Pamela Kendrick. This is Pamela Graham. She received two lesser counts of child abuse. In January of 2013, 12 years after Rilia disappeared, Graham was convicted of kidnapping and child abuse. The jury was deadlocked on the murder. There was just one holdout. But, you know, take it or leave it because the judge brought down the hammer and sentenced the 67-year-old Graham to 30 years for the kidnapping and 25 years for aggravated child abuse. Mm. This case changed things for the DCF as well. A missing kid was nothing out of the ordinary for the DCF. The investigation mm. found that in 2002, there were nearly 500 children missing that were in DCF custody. That is fucking bananas. I know. A law in Rilia's name was also enacted called the Rilia Wilson Act. I pulled this straight from the internet, a quote description, quote, this law provides priority for childcare services for specified children who are at risk of abuse, neglect, or abandonment. Mm -hmm. And I linked it because there's like this whole protocol that's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. If there's a kid who's in DCF custody, they're required to attend school. And if they aren't at school, if there's like a no call, no show situation, mm -hmm. phone calls are supposed to be made right away. 
And if they are excused absences, they still are getting checked up on, among other things as well. Yeah. Director of DCF Kathleen Kernby was forced to resign. And now casework gets contracted out to private organizations, I'm assuming to help with the caseloads. Because, yeah, this isn't us like shitting on social workers or caseworkers you know, for kids that are in the foster care system. Yeah. I fully understand that it's really hard for everybody, but this is like glaring neglect. Yeah. Also a new missing child tracking system was put in place after this, as well as a law being passed, making it illegal to falsify visitation records. It wasn't illegal before. Um, I guess there just wasn't anything on the books for it. So it was kind of like, yeah, you know, there was no, like you do this, you get this. Now it's like, Oh no, this is, this is a big deal. Right. Punishable by whatever. You know, you're not just going to get written up at your job for it. Yeah. You're going to incur some legal shit. And that's it. And we're done. Mm. Fucking A. Well. Well. All right. Next week is season four, episode seven, Waste. SVU fucking looks into, I got it was mad. (laughs) SVU fucking looks into a woman who's been raped, but has been in a coma for over a goddamn fucking year. I think I remember this one. (sighs) Yeah. Follow us on social media at SVU Pod. Why did I start talking like that? Follow us on social media at SVU Pod. <laughs> you didn't join our, join our Facebook group, SVU Pod Elite Squad. We post a lot of stuff in there. People are really funny. Yeah. Good um, time. Somebody, there was a, the, the one that that chick posted where she was like, this conversation is over. And then it's Craig and going, sit down. And she does the splits <laughs> on the, the bed. Splits on the bed. I'm sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Check out our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We've got all kinds of stuff. I say that every week. If you really want, join the Elite Squad. We've got a couple uh, welcome videos to make, and we send you a personalized video for being a member of our Elite Squad. Yeah, and it goes on for a creepy amount of time. It's not weird at all. I'm always being like only five minutes, and then we're like, and then it's like, fuck. It's not awkward and uncomfortable. It's not us looking at pictures of your life and trying to find out where you live. and. <laughs> It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Mm-mm. It is. It's not that at all. It's completely that. It's kind of that. It's 100% that. Shoot us an email. Send me some fucking ghost stories. Yeah, Gabe needs more ghost stories. I have some stuff to read you for the next friendship boat mm. for Patreon. But yeah, that's where any like emails and stuff now that we get, I put all that on Patreon. Like the when we do read stories and stuff from listeners, we get some good fucking stories too but yeah that's all on patreon those will all be on friendship boats and shit so yeah check that out and hashtag little bit loud love you bye love you bye you guys do it at the same time we stopped doing that oh love Love you you. bye Bye. does florida even have mosquitoes florida florida is a mosquito (laughs) yeah i mean that's who's mar (laughs) <laughs> is it munch know. is it fucking wong this is my groaning cup <laughs> yeah hmm. i saw two robins boning the other day while i was driving i was like i've never seen that before ew how they do you jump on each just let back. them oh do they okay yeah i was like oh <laughs> you're fucking <laughs> <laughs> like get it girl oh my god pork and robin tweet tweet <laughs> oh my god Josh. pork and robin I almost didn't do it because it was so stupid. (laughs) But it's like, you know who loves stupid? My best friend game. (laughs) And to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Marissa M, Elkie H, Sarah A, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, 
Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Katrina C, Kate H, Uyanga, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire, Kayla, Allison B, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jenna M, Tammy J, Sarah G, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, and Laura D. It's a lot of D's. We got some D's in this. D's. Got all these D's. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you so much for being an Elite Squad patron and making this possible for us. Supporting us and we love you so much. Scoop, ba boop, ba da bop. All right. Bye. Ba boop, ba da bop. Beep, ba boop, ba da bop. Ba boop, ba doop, ba doop. Stop recording.